Welcome to the All In for Citrus podcast, the latest on citrus research from the University of Florida Institute of Food and Agricultural Sciences statewide citrus team in partnership with Southeast Agnet Radio Network. We have Michael Rogers here with us. He is the director of the Citrus Research and Education Center in Lake Alford. Michael, we're going to have John Chater on the episode a little bit later. He recently joined the UFIFA Citrus team. I know you guys are excited to have him on board. Tell him, tell us a little bit more about why you're happy to have him join the team. Uh, thanks, uh, Frank. And yes, we're excited to have uh, Dr. John Chater join uh, the Citrus uh, Plant Improvement Group. He, he began work at UF back in mid-January, and, and he's going to play an important role as part of the plant improvement team. Um, everybody's familiar with Fred Gmitter, uh, Jude Grosser, all the efforts that they do in developing our new plant varieties uh, that, that we're trying to move towards commercialization for growers, especially now to um, try to deal with HLB. Um, but, but where John comes into this group, um, Dr. Chater is going to be taking some of those new varieties that have been developed and have some initial testing done by our plant improvement team and, and take them to the next level in terms of testing them in the field. Uh, and so one of his missions is to uh, take some of the new varieties and trial them in, in larger scale trials, uh, replicated trials, uh, and be able to uh, get a better understanding, provide information to growers on what to expect from these new varieties, um, and, and give growers a little more confidence in, in that these have been trialed in, in larger larger plots, and, and here's what you can expect from these new varieties. So that, that's one of the things that he's going to be doing, and I think that's going to really uh, uh, be appreciated by a lot of growers to get more information uh, to help them make those decisions when they're planting new new crops. Um, another area that he's also going to be focused on is not just um, you know trialing or comparing some of these new varieties, but also learning a little more about them, how to grow them. Um, there's some good examples of things like um, varieties released from, from IFAS, like uh, Sugarbell, for example, that um, uh, there's a lot of things about Sugarbell that we didn't know uh, early on that we do now. Um, as far as how to how to improve the the fruit size and and the crop by by thinning or, or or pruning the trees and and how to fertilize. So there's a lot of things, little nuances with some of these new varieties that we really like to make sure we have worked out before they're released. And so that's also going to be another area of work that John uh, taking on. And and in fact, he's already working on a project right now with Sugarbell um, because uh, some growers this year experienced some issues with softer fruit. And it was probably a combination of both weather and, and nutrition. And so he's looking to get that, working with growers who experienced some problems, already trying to troubleshoot that and provide some recommendations for the upcoming fruiting season. So um, there's lots of things uh, for Dr. Chater to do. Uh, there's definitely not a shortage of work. And so uh, we really anticipate quite a, a long and uh, productive career from him, for him uh, just on the things that we have lined up for him right now. So. Uh, look forward to good things to come from Dr. Chater, and, and I'm sure many of you will have him in your grove soon uh, as he gets out and tries to learn more about what's happening in the industry and ways that he can help. Michael, it's March, and a lot of students are headed to the state of Florida to celebrate spring break. So we thought it'd be appropriate to shine a light on the University of Florida's Citrus Graduate Student Program. Tell us a little bit about the program, the students involved, and some of the things that they are studying and doing. Okay. Yeah, uh, graduate students play a huge role in, in the research that goes on at UF, uh, especially in, in our citrus uh, program statewide. Um, probably, and if you think about every every project or research 
project that's going on in IFAS that you've heard about, um, probably the majority of them have a, a graduate student involved, whether they're, they're leading part of the project or they're just assisting in some way as a, as a member of the laboratory program. But, um, but they really, grad students really are involved uh, in moving the research forward uh, here in IFAS. And, and every faculty member uh, has a grad, at least one grad student, if not more. And I think total right now, our count we've come up with statewide uh, at the RECs is about 65 uh, graduate students, at least across the three RECs that I'm, I'm familiar with most, um, the Citrus Research and Education Center in Lake Alfred, we've got 36 graduate students. Uh, down in Immokalee, they've got 17 grad students working in Citrus. And uh, then at the uh, Indian River uh, Research and Education Center in Fort Pierce, they've got a, a, another 12 students uh, working on projects to get their degrees that are, are citrus related. So um, there's a lot of folks the, uh, that working beyond just our faculty and staff, again, students working in citrus. And, um, and I think it's important to, important to point that out because I think a lot of times people think that, okay, we got students here, they're, they're really just here to take classes. But, you know, the education they get from the University of Florida is beyond that. We're teaching them to be researchers, how to think critically, and really training up the next generation of, of researchers that are going to, you know, make contributions to our industry. And the work these students are doing really does have a material benefit to the citrus growers, correct? Oh, absolutely. And um, sometimes I think we end up finding out that we, we learn some things that we would have probably missed if we did if we hadn't had the students involved, uh, because, you know, these students, um, <laughs> not to say the faculty don't work hard, but, you know, students come in to get their degree. They have a project to work on. They've got a, you know, they're, they're rushed. They want to get their degree and get out and get a job. And so I really see these students they are here before, during and after normal work hours, just working around the clock on projects. They're very hands-on and involved. And, and oftentimes we see the students make some, some observations or discoveries that, you know, not only, um, you know, solve a problem, but, but may lead to new whole new avenues of research that we hadn't thought of before that really can help the industry. So um, students, they have a lot of creativity and curiosity, and that really does open up new doors for research. Um, so uh, there's a lot that we gain from the students in terms of um, benefits to our current programs. Uh, but again, uh, students also go on to careers once they leave, uh, once they graduate. Uh, that really benefit us as well. Um, many of us have had students who've gone on to either work, say, for a pesticide company, and they still stay engaged working with the citrus industry that way. Um, uh, government agencies, we've, we've had a lot of students go on to careers at USDA, whether it's the ARS or APHIS and regulatory or FDACs uh, in the state. And it, it's great to have people who understand the industry uh, that are working in those areas that, that make decisions that affect our industry. And, and, of course, in academia, a lot of our students do go on to, to careers as, as faculty members, um, both at the University of Florida and in other universities, both in the U.S. abroad. And um, that really opens up some opportunities for us to uh, expand our research to other areas, to collaborate with, with uh, our former students that maybe they're in another country working in Citrus. And they have issues we've not had to deal with yet or we're learning about. And we're able to develop those collaborations, those international collaborations which come back to benefit the industry here in Florida. So there's lots of things that we get out of um, uh, our graduate students beyond just, you know, training them to get their degrees, but they give back a lot to our programs and to our industry. And so uh, that you know, that's why we're definitely uh, very dedicated to graduate student education at the University of Florida. Michael, with that, we'll wrap it up here. 
We'll look forward to catching up with you again in April. All right. Thank you, Frank. Up next, I'd like to welcome John Chater. He recently joined the University of Florida and is working in the citrus breeding program. John, before we get into your new job at the university, tell us a little bit about your background. Uh, well, uh, my mother and my grandfather were the ones who inspired me to work with plants, and my father was the one who taught me the importance of science and how it can be used to solve problems. Uh, my grandfather, S.J. Chater, was a horticulturist and plant breeder, and that is where I learned about uh, hybridizing plants to improve them. At a college, I worked at a rose breeding facility in Somis, California, and learned more about plant breeding, propagation, and field trials in a private industry setting. And after that, I worked at a soils engineering firm before going to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo for my master's of science in agriculture. Then on uh, to UC Riverside for a PhD in plant biology. After finishing that, I uh, worked with uh, Dr. Arthur Jia um, at UCR as a postdoctoral scholar studying citrus and some other crops. So your work with citrus goes back quite a ways. That's right. I had citrus uh, trees in my uh, backyard as early as I can remember. So I had uh, different. I've had uh, experience with citrus since the beginning. Your background also includes some extension work as well, and I understand your job with the University of Florida will have an extension component. Tell us a little bit more about that. Uh, so my background with extension uh, started at the University of California, where I would um, meet with growers, uh, visit their farms, and uh, set up uh, cultivar trials. And I've had a, a nice background, uh, several years of experience at uh, the University of California in extension. And here at IFAS at the University of Florida, my job has a significant extension component. Uh, this means extension. By extension, we mean um, extension of industry-relevant knowledge to citrus stakeholders, which include growers growers, processors, packers, and even the general public. It's part of the job is what makes doing uh, research worthwhile because this is where the potential solutions developed at the university are applied to the real world to actually help people. Now, John, tell us a little bit about your new job with the University of Florida and what you'll be doing with the citrus breeding program. Well, I'm an assistant professor of horticultural sciences and uh, some of my primary uh, job duties are uh, identification and evaluation of advanced selections in cyan and rootstock field trials for the Florida citrus industry, uh, studying the effects of cyan rootstock combinations on fruit and juice production, developing efficient production and management systems for newly released and advanced processing and fresh fruit scion selections and optimizing grower selection of rootstock scion combinations for production in an HLB environment. Uh, also, um, citrus germplasm uh, acquisition and dissemination are also part of uh, my uh, program emphases, which means uh, collecting new citrus varieties and taking some of the new selections, perhaps some that have some level of HLB tolerance or resistance and disseminating, disseminating them to areas uh, that have HLB so that uh, we can get some of these new uh, new varieties that were developed in, at the University of Florida out to where they're needed, uh, where HLB is, is causing uh, big problems. John, I know it's early on in the job, but in your work, have you seen any new varieties that, uh, that have caught your attention yet? So there are, there are so many, and, uh, and a lot of them at this point are just a series of numbers and letters. But some of the ones that um, maybe some local folks might be familiar with or heard about, 
Uh, one is uh, from Dr. Fred Gemitter, Sugar Bell. This is a cultivar that I didn't have access to in California. I heard a lot about it, but uh, it just uh, that uh, that particular uh, cultivar is not available for growers in California. So I got my first taste of it uh, coming here. I, I just started on January uh, 10th. But this fruit is a mandarin hybrid that has a bell shape of a miniola and has powerful citrus flavors that growers who do well with it enjoy very much. I heard from a grower who makes a pie out of it early in the season. I heard another grower say during a meeting that it has the best citrus flavor of any cultivar that that, that grower had tried. People have different opinions about that one, from a, but from a flavor standpoint, it is something special. And then um, there's the OLL series that Dr. Jude Grosser selected using a special plant breeding technique. And to me, this has flavor and color that I would want with the orange juice that I have in the morning with my breakfast. I really like OLL8, but there are other ones in that series that are amazing. It has beautiful orange color and a sweet orange juice flavor that represents what orange juice should taste like. Another one of Dr. Grocer's that caught my eye was Gator Bites. This is a mandarin. Uh, this one reminds me of a better version of the Hados and Cuties that one can get in the supermarket. It peels easy, and the kids love it. Dr. Grocer also, Dr. Grocer also selected a lime hybrid that has lime flavor that I believe the public as well as the food and beverage industry would, would love. He also showed me a fruit that has orange, lemon, and lime in it, and I can taste all three at once, and that was something that was quite amazing to me. Uh, he has some early Vernia clones that mature uh, in early December, and this uh, this would be something that might be able to replace Hamlin. And the health of these trees is off the charts. I take pictures so I can show growers uh, that with the right cultural practices, these trees have the potential to maintain plant health and produce delicious fruit that hold on the tree. The last one I'll mention is uh, UF914. This is a grapefruit-like hybrid that Dr. Gemitter selected, and it's seedless, has a beautiful color inside and out, and has a flavor that will blow you away whether you like grapefruit or hate it. This is a piece of fruit that will amaze you. It has all the pleasant uh, grapefruit flavor notes of, uh, of a grapefruit without the bitterness. So it's like eating a grapefruit with no bitterness. And uh, when I tasted that one, I was, I was blown away. It also is low in uh, the ferranocoumarins. Uh, those are the types of compounds or molecules in grapefruit that can interfere with certain blood or heart medications. So that's something that um, is, is special about this UF914 is that if, you know, there are a lot of folks who, who might be on medications, they can no longer have their uh, grapefruit um, as part of their diet, but perhaps this, perhaps this fruit uh, can uh, allow somebody who is taking those medications to to continue to enjoy um, that wonderful grapefruit flavor that we all know and love. And with all of these varieties, HLB tolerance is going to be a key and vital factor, correct? Well, uh, like you mentioned, HLB tolerance or resistance is, is number one. Um, every single grower that I've spoke, spoken to has told me that uh, that's number one uh, in, in terms of priorities for the plant improvement team or for the breeding program. So, uh, and this is something that is quite difficult to to uh, measure uh, without um, replicated field trials in in many locations throughout the state in the different growing regions. So, um, this is something that's going to take uh, replicated cultivar trials because you can do you know there there are protocols for how. Um, scientists are to uh, evaluate HLB tolerance or, or plant health in an HLB environment. Uh, but if you're only looking at one site, 
or even one one block at one site, you might see very big differences between uh, one one part of the grove and another part of the grove in terms of how HLB may or may not be affecting a particular uh, variety or a particular row or block. And so uh, I'm going to use these protocols, but at the same time, we're going to have to use these protocols on top of multiple cultivars. In, in the several growing uh, regions or the multiple growing regions in uh, Florida so that we can see consistency. The most important thing is that this HLB resistance or HLB tolerance is, is consistent from, from site to site. Uh, one thing that I've noticed is that uh, it really depends on how the grower is, um, is growing their, their particular uh, uh, block of trees, uh, and that can really play into how the trees look how they hold on to the fruit, um, and how the, how, how the quality of the fruit is. So making sure that there's consistency, making sure that there's replicated, randomized uh, uh, trials um, with, uh, you know, enough trees per trial so that uh, I can have the type of consistency uh, to know that uh, a particular genotype or scion or rootstock or rootstock combination is is um, is uh, the answer or at least a one of the one of the answers that growers are looking for. With your new job at the university, there's going to be a lot of interaction with the growers. Tell us how your engagement with growers has gone so far. So far, I've been having positive interactions with growers. Uh, I've been invited and visited groves near uh, to the CREC and, far, and quite far away down in Naples, and I'm impressed with how these growers have adapted with the times to survive in this HLB endemic environment. I learned so much from the growers, and I'm grateful to have the opportunity to discuss research and citriculture with them. The growers who I have met have been interested in engaging in research with the university, and this research will include uh, cyan and rootstock uh, trials and investigations to discover ways to keep citrus trees healthy and productive with cultural practices while scientists and farmers work together to find the ultimate solution to Huang Long Bing. With that, John, we'll wrap up the conversation. I look forward to seeing you out in the Citrus Grove soon, and we'll have you back on the podcast at some point and to learn about what you're seeing out in the field. Well, thank you so much, Frank. Thanks for uh, having me on. Our final guest today is Aja Pay-Alillo. She's a Citrus Extension agent, and she's been helping coordinate the Citrus Growers Institute, which will be held in early April. Aja, tell us when and where the Citrus Growers Institute is going to be held. Okay. Uh, well, our Florida Citrus Growers Institute, that's been an annual program for some years now, um, and we are really excited to be welcoming it back um, to an in-person program. And so our event this year is going to be held on Tuesday, April 5th, 2022, and it starts um 8.30 a.m. starts our registration, but the, the actual presentations will start at 9 o'clock, and it goes till 3 p.m. And it's in the same place it has been. for So for those of us who are returning, um, it's going to be in the Alan J. Wildstein Center for the Performing Arts, which is the theater there on the campus of the South Florida State College in, campus in Avon Park. Obviously, HLB is number one on everyone's priority list. What will the program bring in terms of HLB education? 
Okay, absolutely. Um, that is our major challenge that we're focusing on. Um, Dr. Michael Rogers from the Citrus Research and Education Center and Mr. Rick Gansler from uh, Citrus Research and Development Foundation, they will be there uh, to kick off our program and they will be giving some updates on their programs and, and their organization. And then we'll move into the scientific uh, presentations where we're going to be talking about how uh, information for growers so that they can manage the effects of HLB and some of those different techniques are going to be with irrigation and nutritional recommendations. Um, also there's going to be a talk by Dr. Tripti Vashith about gibberellic acid which um, has been shown to increase canopy density and thereby increasing the photosynthesis of the, of the tree. Age of fruit drop has been a huge problem over the past several seasons. Um, will you have any presentations related to fruit drop? Sure, absolutely. So, you know, HLB, of course, puts a lot of stress on our trees. Uh, the roots are very compromised. So there's going to be several presentations that are going to be looking at the different ways to manage fruit drop from a few different angles. Um, these include the possible effects on weed control methods and some of the precautions that you can take during applications to hopefully reduce your, your fruit drop that you would get from trees. Because um, sometimes we know uh, different applications depending on different circumstances, uh, may have a negative effect sometimes. So we're going to talk about that. And then how foliar applications of zinc and potassium can affect fruit drop. And also how the gibberellic acid can reduce fruit drop by uh, reducing the number of flowering, the number of flowers that trees produce early in the season, thereby hopefully giving the tree a, a load of fruit that it can handle throughout the year and hopefully carry on through the harvest. Citrus growers and researchers have continuously been fine-tuning citrus nutrition and irrigation ever since HLB came on the scene. What will the program offer in terms of fertilizer and irrigation? Sure, right, because we know that the root systems are so severely compromised by HLB um, that we've got uh, such a reduction in the number of roots that we have in the ground. Um, but those those roots are still shown to be as effective as healthy roots as taking up these nutrients and water. Uh, but we have shown through research that if we supply trees with more frequent uh, irrigation and more frequent doses of nutrition, that those trees can more effectively take that up um, over a period of time rather than having larger doses at one time. One of the nice things about the Citrus Growers Institute is the program really focuses on what growers can do today in their citrus groves. Tell us a little bit more about that. Absolutely. You know, um, our goal and through UFIFS and Extension is to bring the research information that our, our state specialists and our researchers are doing at the different um, research centers and bringing that to a practical level that the the growers are able to use today in their growth. So, it's, you know, practical application of this information um, to hopefully really kind of help us with HLB, help us with other growth uh, management, you know, of other diseases and insects, um, weed management, and, and things like that that are still prevalent. Uh, still relevant to the growers to have to manage along with HLB. 
CEUs are always important to these growers. Uh, will CEUs be offered during the Institute? Yes, CEUs will be offered. Uh, there is going to be a maximum of four and a half CEUs for restricted use pesticide license holders. That's going to be in the areas of private applicator, agricultural tree crop, and demonstration and research. And then there will also be CEUs available for certified crop advisors. Uh, we're going to have one CEU for integrated pest management, one and a half CEUs for nutrient management, uh, a half of a CEU for soil and water management, and then one CEU for crop management. Finally, Asia, for the growers interested in attending, what do they need to do? Um, the growers, they can register through Eventbrite at www.2022floridacitrusgrowersinstitute.eventbrite.com or by emailing or calling Ms. Gail Crawford at the Poe County Extension Office. Her number is 863-519-1042. For her email is dorothyc at ufl.edu. With that, we'll wrap up the interview and this episode of All In for Citrus Asia. Look forward to seeing you at the Citrus Institute in early April. And all the growers out there, I hope I run into you as well. See you soon. Thank you so much. Yep, we are really excited and we're looking forward to seeing everybody and offering this great program to our growers. Thanks for listening to this month's All In for Citrus podcast from the University of Florida Institute of Food and Agricultural Sciences statewide citrus team in partnership with Southeast Agnet Radio Network.